Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Great Bar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now. Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. We have arrived to our final show of 2023. It is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. 6.07 our time right now, and we are taking you all the way until 8 o'clock this evening. As uh, We've got a few things planned. There will be a, a little bit of reflection on 2023, a little looking forward to the uh, Cotton Bowl tonight, to the Blues game tonight. Um, yeah, so we've got a, we've got a few things uh, that we're going to do before all is said and done. If you'd like to join the program, as always, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900. That's 314 436 7900 or you can tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air we're going to head down to Arlington and AT&T Stadium Daniel Esteve from Fox 2 and Channel 11 he is there uh, covering the Cotton Bowl and uh, we'll get some last moment thoughts from him leading into the game and uh, he'll join us at uh, 635 from Texas next hour I've got a conversation with uh, Kevin Wheeler and next hour we are going to blatantly without apology, just completely and totally steal from the Dave Glover show and do our own bracket. And we're going to bracket out the top sports stories in St. Louis of 2023 and talk through those and rank them a little bit. And uh, Kyle Sixta is going to uh, help me with that. So that's going to be coming up. Now, during the bracket, Kyle, we need to fi- we need to figure this out. If we disagree, I don't want to be like a dictator where if we disagree that just my voice goes. I don't know how we're going to uh, break a 1-1 tie. I don't know. We'll uh, figure out when that problem arises. Let me see. You know what? I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there. We'll see if we're going to do this next hour. We're going to do this next hour. At about, uh, we're going to put together the bracket during the first segment of next hour, and then we're going to go through the bracket challenge during the second segment. So we're talking like seven fifteen. If if you want to be the third vote, the final judge, text in right now at three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. 314-436-7900. Text in, text in your name and your phone number, and I will randomly pick somebody and we will call you before the 715 segment. 
and you will sit on the line and you will be you'll have the final vote if there are any disagreements. If there's no disagreements between me and Kyle, then you're just going to sit there for 15 minutes and listen to us and we're never going to hear from you. But if you would like to be the final voice, you have to you have to be around your phone at 7:15 to be able to pick up. If you have any, you know, maybe nobody will text on this. Maybe this is something that is not appealing at all because you're sitting on the phone listening to two guys jibber jabber and you may or may not say something. But if you would like to be the final voice in this at 7:15, text in 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, text in your phone number and your name, and we'll we'll pick somebody and we'll call them uh, and we'll go from there. I, I don't know. We'll see if anybody uh, responds to this or not. It's not that great of an offer if we're really being quite honest about this. I don't know, but uh, maybe you get the option to uh, be the tiebreaker. Like you said, you get to get on air. I think it's a, a decent deal. Okay, we'll see. 314-436-7900. We'll take uh, calls, or excuse me, text messages. Text in name and phone number, and if we get anybody, uh, we'll pick somebody randomly, and uh, you'll be part of that uh, coming up uh, next hour if you would like to do it. What better way to spend what what very feels like a, when you When I walked into the building today, and I walked in about 3.30, so generally at 3:30 here there there's a there's a fair amount of hustle and bustle and more importantly uh lights are turned on not today I got here lights are off nobody's here it was uh it was essentially a holiday but we're here uh, we're I wore a hoodie to work today I rarely wear a hoodie to work today so hey you know what we got lots of people texting in so we're we're good for uh next hour so we'll we'll randomly uh we'll randomly pick somebody coming up uh next hour for sure uh following along on social media today and to be to be blatantly honest with this I think it, it, this conversation kind of started because um, Greg Amsinger from MLB Network appeared on another station here in the market, and there was a lot of talk about Jordan Montgomery and a potential return to to St. Louis. So that, that conversation took place, uh, as we like to say in the radio business, across the street, and that got that got a conversation kind of starting on, on social media. And I I never really thought he would be back next season. Even I didn't think he was going to sign an extension in season. And I went, you know, he had his great run in the playoffs. And I just thought he's making himself gobs and gobs and gobs of money. But when you really take a step back and look at the contracts that have been handed out this year across baseball, there's two really, really big contracts, like two ginormous contracts. The Otani contract. But the, the vast majority of that money is being deferred. So it's actually not that big of a contract in terms of immediate money. And then the Yamamoto deal was lots of money as well. Outside of that, I feel like the numbers that are being thrown around are actually, I think they're very fair. I don't, I don't think we've seen much overspending. I don't think we've seen a lot of, you know, vast underspending. Like the Sonny Gray contract that the Cardinals signed up to, that was a very fair deal. It came a little bit under what I expected it to be, more so in terms of years than annual average value. Even with his age, I thought he was going to get somebody to give him a little, a little bit more from a from a year standpoint. And he didn't, and he came to St. Louis, and it was a it was a good deal. Even Aaron Nola going back to, to Philadelphia, you look at the numbers that are involved. I think a lot of these numbers are very, very um, – they're fair. 
they're fair. And that's that's what you'd hope for. I know the agents aren't hoping for that. The agents want to see uh, guys get lots and lots of money, more money than maybe they deserve. And teams want to see uh, the market go to a place where there's just not a lot of money being spent and you're able to get some pretty big values. I think for the most part what we've seen in free agency this year, it's been pretty fair. And maybe that plays into the Cardinals' hands. I We know what John Mosellock has said, that they're comfortable with where they're at right now in terms of starting pitching. I believe him when he says it. I, I, I've said this over and over, and, and I've heard Tom Ackerman say this. Uh, he said it this past weekend or two weekends ago. When, the, when he had la- well, Was it this past weekend? No, it was two weekends ago when he last had Mo on. Tom made the comment, listen to what Mo says because he'll tell you what he's going to do. And I think there's I think there's a lot of truth to that, more so than most other baseball executives. I come from a different place. You know, a lot of people who work in this market in the media have been here for a really, really long time. People don't move on from jobs in this city for, for lots of reasons, for the exact same reasons that if it's in my control, I'm not going to be moving on from this job for a very, very long time. I love this job. But it just... The the people that I grew up listening to and watching are, are many of those same people are still around doing their thing after I was gone for the better part of 20 years. And some the, the one thing that maybe I bring is the fact that I was around another team because I spent so much time uh, working with the Brewers and just seeing what was said by executives. You know, I worked with David Stearns, who was – uh, the president of baseball operations for the Brewers, who I have a lot of respect for. I think he's one heck of a baseball executive. I think he's going to do a really good job with the Mets. I'm scared of the Mets now because they're going to spend money and they've got a they've got a baseball adult in the room and Stearns who's going to make good decisions with that money. They were not making good decisions previously. Uh, but Stearns said nothing. He said nothing. He He would talk. Words would come out of his mouth, but he wasn't saying anything. And that's always been one of the things in my in my year and a half back in St. Louis, one of the things I've really appreciated about Mo, like Tom Ackerman said on uh, a couple Sundays ago, if you listen, he will tell you what he's going to do. And uh, if you've listened, I, it feels like they're very content with where they're at from a starting pitching standpoint. That being said, as he has said, you never say no to anything. You never close any door. And if this market all of a sudden were to come back, and whether it was getting involved in Jordan Montgomery, whether the trade value for a Dylan Cease actually job. You know, I, I think you can look at what happened last year with Sean Murphy because we heard all the reports about what uh, the A's were asking for, for Murphy, and the Cardinals got out of that conversation and they went down the Wilson Contreras route. And then we saw what the Braves gave up. It was like, well, the Cardinals could have done that. that they, they would have had no problem coming up with a package that was very similar to what the Braves gave up and the A's may have overplayed their hand just a bit. And they ended up getting less than what they thought they were going to get. And by overplaying their hand, all of a sudden a team like the Cardinals who reportedly were interested, they move on. So maybe something comes of it. Maybe something comes of it. And maybe just maybe the Cardinals still add another somewhat high end starting pitching, a uh, starting pitcher before all is said and done. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to uh, talk some Blues hockey. They are in action tonight as they look for their fourth straight win. They don't have a four-game winning streak this year. Maybe they'll have one here in about uh, three hours or so. Uh, We'll hear from uh, Drew Bannister. He met with the media earlier today. We'll go through some of that audio coming up in just a moment or so as we roll on with the Graybar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Rolling on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley, taking you till 8 o'clock this evening in about 10, 15 minutes. We're going to head down to Arlington, Texas for the Cotton Bowl. We'll hear from uh, Daniel Esteve. He's going to give us a, a preview of what's going on there as uh, Mizzou. They are going to uh, kick off uh, a little bit after uh, 7 o'clock tonight. Across the street from us here in downtown, the Blues are in action as they are going to match up against the Colorado Avalanche in the uh, game day preview story written by uh, Matthew DeFranks at uh, STL Today. He makes note of a, a few statistical uh, things that uh, go into tonight's game. The Blues, they can win their fourth game in a row for a first time this season. They did have a previous three-game win streak in November but could not make it four straight. They're also trying to get to four games above 500. It would be the first time since the end of the 21-22 regular season uh, that they were four games above 500. Uh, that year, they were much more than four games above 500 as a 109-point team. And Drew Bannister looking to go 6-1-0 during his very short time with the team. If they win tonight, it would be the best seven-game stretch of the season for the club. Speaking of Bannister, he did speak with the media earlier today uh, as the club went through a morning skate. And the first thing what he asked about was just his uh, general thoughts on this very good Colorado team that they're going to match up against tonight. You know, obviously, uh, they have, uh, you know, just coming off a Stanley Cup championship a couple of years ago, they're, they're a good hockey team. They know how to win. Uh, veteran leadership, uh, their first line is extremely dangerous, and, and their power play has been, been winning them hockey games. So um, I, I expect an angry, desperate hockey team here tonight with what went on in, in Arizona. So we're going to have to match that, that urgency, that desperation from the start and get settled into our game. We got to play these guys hard, you know, but but be disciplined at the same same time. We got to be able to move our, our move our feet and have good sticks here tonight. But we have to play those guys hard. Recognize when they're when they're on the ice, they they play a lot. Um, so you're not always going to get the matchups uh, you want uh, with the amount of ice time they play. So everybody in our our group in our room has to understand when they're on the ice and how dangerous they are. 
So that was uh, talk, just talk about this Avalanche team. Now, the last time the Blues played the Avalanche, they were uh, they were pretty darn successful against them as they came up with a very one-sided win in what was one of their best games of the year. Uh, that was an 8-2 win, so certainly uh, a good performance right there. Banster talked about a few individual players, uh, was asked specifically about, uh, you know, yesterday or two days ago when we played audio from him, there was a lot of talk about Colton Pareko and the job he's done. Another defenseman who's done a nice job here uh, recently is Scott Pernovich. Uh, puck patience. I thought he's done a real good job of, uh, you know, making smart plays, making them quick, uh, getting our getting our forwards going north quick with his outlet passes, and I think that's that's when Scotty's at his best, you know, when he's he's managing the puck properly, when he's transporting it up to our forwards and then getting up in the play, um, you know, and in the offensive zone, um, he reads the play really well. He, he can create a lot from, from the blue line, uh, you know, with his ability to pass and find guys open and open ice. One player who has been struggling to score has been Braden Shin. You look at his recent production over his last 20 shots on goal, doesn't have a goal in that period, has just two assists, uh, has a minus three plus minus here uh, in recent time as well. It's he's is he has not played uh, all. Yeah, I say he hasn't played well. He he hasn't produced. The the production has gone well, has gone down because he's getting his opportunities. That's the thing. Sometimes it's hard to assess a player like that when you're getting scoring opportunities and it's just not going in. And the old adage is, well, you know what? They'll start going in at some point in time. But he was asked about uh, his message to Shin as he's going through this tough period right now. I mean, on the offensive side, he's getting the opportunities. I think for for me and and the conversations that I've had with with Braden is really focus in on his his defensive habits, uh, making sure that uh, you know he's a responsible player. He he sees some tough minutes and tough matchups. Uh, defensive has to to come first with him. I think the offense will come secondary, and, and he's getting those opportunities. Eventually, they're going to go in. Like he's he's too good of a player not to not to be able to score. I think we have a couple guys in in those slumps that 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 are not scoring, but away from the puck, they played well for us. Um, and I think that's that's got to be with Braden is 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 making sure that you know when he's in his zone that uh, it's clean and he's responsible and you know again leading the way. He's our captain. Um, you know, when he gets on the ice, I think he pulls a lot of guys into the fight, his line mates and our team. It's interesting that he said it that way, by the way. And I, I, I really liked that answer because if you dig into that answer a little bit from Bannister, it's clear that they're, they're maybe, they, they think that Shin could be doing more defensively away from the puck, things like that. And we had this conversation when it came to that night where he benched Pavel Bucinavich for taking the three penalties and then very openly talked about that and the accountability that went there. And I'm not trying to rehash everything I said, but I just thought I, just thought I would be more, caref- more comfortable with a coach that is a little bit more tender in the message publicly. You can be as aggressive as you want with the message uh, to the player, specifically behind closed doors. Well, I think we got a little bit of that right there more of what I was talking about. And Shin is your captain, and there's a lot of things going on uh, with him, and maybe you pull punches just a bit. But if you if you listen to what he just said, clearly they would like him to be performing at a higher level and not even as much connected to the goal scoring. Again, the, the, the old cliche, they'll start going in at some point, but the fact that it was brought up about his defense and what he's doing away from the puck, I certainly thought those were uh, those were interesting comments made by Bannister. All right, a couple things on tonight's game. Here recently, Joel Hofer has been really good in goal. 
He has 39 and 37 saves in his last two starts, giving up just one goal over those uh, in each of those games. Jordan Bennington, as good as he has been this season, and Bennington has been fantastic. Here recently, not as much. The numbers have started to uh, fall off for, for Bennington. So you, you're cu- you're not on a back-to-back. You're coming in off, off an off day. You're taking on a really, really, really talented team in Colorado, a team that's got a legit chance to win a Stanley Cup this year. And uh, you're going with Bennington tonight. You can make the argument that it should have been Hofer. Now, on the other side of it, Obviously, Bennington, he's been really darn good against Colorado throughout his career. Uh, But this is what Bannister had to say about Bennington starting tonight. Joel's played extremely well. There's there's no doubt about that. But, you know, I I think going back with Binner still gives us the ability uh, in back-to-backs to to go back with Joel. Uh, And, you know, in previous starts, Binner's been really good against Colorado. So, you know, he's played well against them, and I think he deserves the opportunity to be in the net. You know, but Joel's played well enough too. And, you know, if all things are, are equal, we'll probably see, you know, that rotation change tomorrow. And then the uh, last thing from uh, Bannister, one of the things yesterday, Buchnevich uh, did not practice yesterday. He is dealing with some illness. We later learned that uh, there's just kind of a bug going around the Blues right now and that uh, they're doing their best to kind of keep everybody separated and that uh, when they played the other night, a lot of guys had to battle through feeling not so good after Buchnevich did not practice yesterday. Uh, Indication was given that he may or may not play in tonight's game. Well, an update was given on his health and it does look like Buchnevich is going to be available for this evening's game. Buch is better today, so he's, he's, he'll, he'll play tonight. There, there's, there's no issues there, obviously. You know, there, there is a little bit of a cold going through our room, but, you know, it seems to be 42, 72 hours, that, or 48, 72 hours that it's going through, so we'll just manage it and try and, you know, we had a good practice yesterday. You know, today was an optional. Uh, try and keep guys away from each other as much as we can until we get to game time and, and get through the game here tonight and get ourselves ready for Pittsburgh. Did you have any other game time decisions on Elvis' front? Um, I don't really want to comment on that because I, I, I'm not 100% sure until game time. But, you know, there is there is some guys that are still, you know, affected by the illness that's going through our room. Right, and just based off what I'm seeing on social media at this point in time, it would not appear. You know, they're a little bit more than a half hour out from getting this game underway tonight and have not seen uh, anything quite yet in terms of players uh, not being available for uh, for tonight. So it uh, looks like everybody should be good to go and healthy enough to be able to play uh, in tonight's game. Blues and the Avalanche. We'll see if they can win a fourth straight. We'll see if they can uh, knock off a Colorado Avalanche team for a second straight time. Again, the last time uh, these two teams played very one-sided when the Blues won by an 8-2 score. And it was uh, alluded to you. Know, Colorado's having a, a, a solid season. They're 21-11-3. They're in first place in the division. But they've had some bad nights. They Their last time out, they had a 4-1 lead against Arizona, and they let that go and they ended up losing by a 5-4 score, and their goaltender got all kinds of upset about it. I mean, that was a uh, the the call from uh, the TV broadcast for that the Avalanche uh, do. Uh, Mark Mosier is their uh, play-by-play guy. I think he's really, really, really good hockey play-by-play guy, but he was very frustrated and let that frustration show, and uh, that clip kind of went viral on, on social media, so they're coming off a pretty tough loss. They've been in a couple funks this year as well. They go through these periods where they give up a, a lot of goals, They had a three-game losing streak when they were on a West Coast road trip. They lost a couple games to the Flyers and the Jets, giving up five and four goals.
goals. So they have not been overly consistent this year, but again, they're winning a lot more than they're losing. They're in first place in the division, and they're one of the most talented teams this year in the National Hockey League. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk Cotton Bowl as they are, uh, Mizzou is in action tonight, scheduled for about a 7 o'clock uh, kickoff this evening, so we're about a half hour out from that getting underway at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Daniel Esteve is covering the game for uh, Fox 2 and Channel 11. He joins us in just a moment as we roll on with the Gray Bar Sports Open Line here on KMOX. This is the Gray Bar Sports Open Line. Goldschmidt swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We're back at it here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley, taking you till 8 o'clock tonight. Here in uh, 25, 30 minutes or so, the Cotton Bowl is going to be kicking off down at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. We're going to go there right now. Very happy to uh, welcome on our good friend via the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. He is from uh, Fox 2 and Channel 11. He is Daniel Esteve. Daniel, thanks for taking some time with us today. How are you? Matt, how's it going, man? How's everything going? You Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you great. We got the ambient noise in the background. This is great live radio right now. I love it. I love it. Consider me your reporter for the night from... Uh, from the Cotton Bowl here at at t Stadium. Okay, can you tag out at the end, Daniel Steve, KMOX Sports? Can we get that from <laughs> I'll you? I'll do it. I, okay. I need to check with my employer to make sure that uh, <laughs> that's okay with the contract. But, but you, Matt, I'd do it. I mean, we are to, you are Fox 2 is KMOX's news partner, so I don't think there's going to be a what problem I hear. with that. Yeah. Hey, that's what they tell me. That's yep. what they tell me. We should be in good shape. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to kind of take your journalist hat off for just a moment because you're a Mizzou grad. What does this yeah. game like mean to for you? This was a great season, 10 wins, now going for an 11-win season, going for a Cotton Bowl victory, and going for a win against a top-10 Blue Blood kind of team. Daniel Esteve, the Mizzou grad, what does this game mean to you? Hey, Matt, can I add to that, that intro right there? So Daniel Esteve, the Mizzou grad, but Daniel Esteve – the childhood Ohio State fan. My mom grew up five minutes from Ohio State's campus. I was at the 2014 National Championship where Ohio State beat Oregon. I mean, I grew up, my first sports memory was the BCS National Championship in 2002, Miami and Ohio State. So it's been an interesting 48 hours for me. My mom is in the stands as we speak in scarlet shirt, gray pants, and a black and gold uh, scarf. Okay. So we've got the full split household right now. But I was talking to one of my colleagues in the tunnel just now uh, who is also a Mizzou grad, and, and we both agreed that I think Mizzou not only needs this more, but wants this more. You can feel it with the fan base. I'm looking at it right now, and it looks 50-50, but if you look at the ticket sales, Ohio State didn't sell out theirs immediately. In fact, just the two-thirds of them were sold, and then Mizzou sold out within 24 hours. So it just feels like they want it more. And they probably need it more in terms of propelling this program to, to that top 10 status they want to have year in and year out under Eli Drinkwood. I, I saw, was there a, like a tailgate event over at Globe Life or something where like 11,000 Mizzou fans showed up? Do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. So shout out to the Mizzou Alumni Association. They rented out Globe Life Field uh, just across the way from AT&T Stadium. And as I was driving up five hours before kickoff, I mean, it was standstill traffic trying to get through Cowboys way, which passes right by the baseball stadium. Um, so it just seems like every Mizzou fan I've spoken to has said, man, we were out at bars in Dallas, Texas, and did not see anybody but Mizzou fans. And my brothers who both live in Dallas, 
have said they have only seen Mizzou fans at some of the local spots in and around Dallas. So it just feels like the Tigers want this. And again, I think they need it more than Ohio State does right now. So the latest report is that Marvin Harris Jr. not playing. Is there any other late-breaking news going into this game? No late-breaking news. On the Mizzou side especially, I think you can rest easy. I'm watching them warm up their, uh, their half field or even just last couple reps with the offense. Uh, I could see Brady Cook, Luther Bird, and Cody Schrader was out three hours before kickoff looking at the field. And then just right now, about 15 feet in front of me, walks Devin Brown of the Ohio State Buckeyes, who will get his first start in a cotton bowl, hmm. period. First start, and it's in a cotton bowl. I mean, you talk about stepping up to the plate. Ohio State has the talent, certainly, not only their first strings, their second strings, but also their third strings. So anybody that takes the field in scarlet and gray is going to be tough to beat. But Mizzou, with the talent they have, it should be an unbelievable match, despite what all these Vegas odds have told you that have them flipping up and down with Ohio State as favorite. Yeah, what do you make of that? Because a week ago, Mizzou was a one-point favorite. They're now a five-point dog. I, I get the fact that we learned a couple Ohio State players we're playing this week, but a six-point spread basically in six days is remarkable. I'll tell you what, I had so many people texting me asking me if there was insider scoop on Marvin Harrison Jr.'s status and if that was what was shifting the opinion of betters. But it wasn't. Marvin Harrison Jr. is out. It would have been silly if he had decided to play, and he's not. So the fact that that's been the case, maybe it's pedigree, maybe it's the fact that they've been here before, but 10 years ago, nearly to the day, Ohio State played, I mean, excuse me, Mizzou played a classic against Oklahoma State in this building in their last Cotton Bowl victory and in their last Cotton Bowl game. So, I mean, there is some pedigree for Mizzou there, too. I don't see how you, you see Ohio State as that big a favorite with some of those key players out. When you've got like a month leading up to a game, you, you dig into every single thing. And one of the storylines this past, past couple of days is the two coaches did a press conference together and Eli was loose and smiling and having fun and, and Ryan Day was more business-like. Do you take anything away from that beyond that's just kind of what their personalities are? Yeah, you know what? I think, uh, and this is, this is me taking my journalist hat off as well. When I was in that press conference yesterday with Ryan Day and Eli Trinkwitz, Eli was definitely himself. He was, you know, silly, especially when asked about availability and who was going to play. Eli Drinkwitz poked fun at Ryan Day, said he's been waiting for that question. Uh, sorry, Brady Cook's running just ahead of me right now. And the Missouri fans are responding as you would expect. Mizzou coming off the field one last time and Brady Cook firing them up. Oh, my goodness. Matt Polly, you can feel it at AT&T Stadium right now, but I think right now, Eli Drinkwitz, he's proven that he can take this program to new heights with the season. So I say that they need it more. I think for the future, you want it more, certainly. But Ryan Day, you lose to Michigan at Ohio State, your job's automatically on the line. He's lost two years in a row. If you lose a Cotton Bowl to University of Missouri, well, then you really stress out. So I think Ryan Day just understands the weight of his position right now. And, uh, and was probably acting accordingly, a little bit more serious. Last thing for you, does, this, does it have that big game feel? Sometimes these bowl games, you know, within the world of college football playoff, they don't feel as big as they used to be. You're there right now. Do you sense a big game feel right now? Yes, Matt, give me one sec. They're doing the invocation. One second. You know what, well, Daniel, thank you. We will let you go. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the game, and thank you for finding some time for us. Hey, Matt, we appreciate you always, my man. I'm walking out of the tunnel to answer your question. This is the biggest game in a decade for the University of Missouri, and we're hoping for the very same result 
we got a decade ago against Oklahoma State in this very building. All right, I didn't mean to take you away from a prayer. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. You're okay. The good Lord isn't going anywhere, Matt, and uh, and hopefully neither are you, man. I appreciate your friendship, and I'm I'm willing and, and able to help you out anytime I can. That's awesome. You know it goes both ways. Thanks, Daniel. Yes, sir. See you, Matt. Awesome. There's Daniel Esteve, Fox 2, Channel 11, joining us live on the scene. So uh, there you go. The, the, the latest from the Cotton Bowl. He even kept talking to us through a prayer. I know that uh, Daniel is a man of faith, so I think uh, the good Lord upstairs is going to uh, be understanding of, uh, of everything that went on uh, right there. I'm excited for this game. And, man, I think Mizzou wins. I do. I think Mizzou wins. And sometimes... Sometimes when you have an opinion that is a minority opinion, and I call it a minority opinion because I've been watching this point spread, just, I mean, for a point spread to move six points in less than a week is crazy. And I, whenever I talk about point spreads, I say this over and over and over. I'm not a sports gambling guy, not a sports gambling expert. I don't partake in sports gambling. I always say there's a reason those casinos and, and those casino owners are able to build really big buildings in Las Vegas. It's because they win. So uh, I, I acknowledge the fact that there are people who are smarter than me who can make a living and who can be up on in sports gambling. Just not me. That's not me. It hasn't been. It hasn't been me. I've always thought, though, Kyle, I'll be honest with you. So I'm not a sports gambler. There's some of these, like, really smart people who they post, like, they sell their picks and they post all their results afterwards and they've got like a really good record. Like they're winning like 59, 60%, which is a, you, you can make, if you're winning 59% of your bets, you can, you can win. If sports gambling ever became legal in Missouri and there was someone who historically, like over a 10 year period is winning 59, 60% of their bets and they, they sell their picks, I would, I would consider buying their picks and just doing whatever they say as a, as a source of income. I, but, you know, I'm not a sports gambling guy, so I kind of feel dirty doing that. But I, I've always wondered, like, why why more people don't do that? Like, the, the casinos always come out, like, at a 50-50 more often than not, they're, they're, which you make money as a casino if you do that. If you've got these people out there that are in the industry that are consistently posting 59% wins – why don't like more people just do that where they just buy those picks and go with it? I don't know. Um, I, that's, that's a good question. Cause it's, it is really, really interesting. Cause those people obviously put a ton of time yeah. into that yeah. research. They find every type of advantage that they could find to make their picks, but also as a fan, at least for me, I'm not a huge sports gambler either. I feel like if I was going to make a bet, I would want it to be something that I came up with. I don't know. Maybe that's just not me. me. Like if I could make money off it, true, I true. was telling my wife that one day and I would think she would be as like anti sports gambling as anything. And she was like, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we pay for that? And, like, <laughs> and I don't know. Just, it would make me feel a little bit dirty. I've told this story a million times. Um, back when I was broadcasting air force basketball, uh, we would play our conference championship tournament in Las Vegas. And I was so paranoid about like my position as a team broadcaster that I wouldn't even walk through a sports book because like, I wouldn't want to run into somebody. And then all of a sudden somebody like say, Oh, I saw Polly was at the MGM sports book or whatever. Like all of it, that. I think that just looks bad. And now today, like, 
my position on the Cardinal Radio Network, and we know, and I know Major League Baseball's in bed with sports gambling companies and everything like that. But I would just feel so uncomfortable with my position there ever laying down. And I would never like bet on Cardinals or baseball or anything like that. Like I would feel uncomfortable putting down a bet on a football game just with my connection to Cardinal Radio Network. Right. I mean, it makes sense, but I do feel like it's becoming more and more acceptable yeah. more than ever. Yeah, so. absolutely. It's uh, maybe I'm just slow to evolve. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first time that I am uh, slow to evolve for sure. All right. Now we'll take a break. When we come back, there was actually something that happened in a bowl game yesterday that I thought was really interesting from a business standpoint and from a just being fun and silly standpoint. We'll get into that coming up in just a moment or so. It's a great bar sports open line on KMOX. So I'm somebody that actually really likes the college football bowl system. And we've had this conversation year after year after year. It really started, you can go back to like the BCS and now with the college football playoff where some of these bowl games don't mean a whole lot. And there's just this feeling that maybe there's too many bowl games and too many teams involved in bowl games. And I've always been a 180 degree opposer of that belief. I think it's really good for programs to get those 15 extra practices. I think it's great for fan bases to have a cool place to go at another game. Most importantly, I think it's important for the student athlete experience to be able to participate in a bowl game. You know, we, we spend so much time focusing on the college football players who are going to go on and get drafted or go on and uh, be in the NFL. A lot of those guys are done playing college football when their eligibility comes up and they're never going to play a down of football again. And it's a very utopian thought. I realize the NCAA is big business, but I like the idea of those 18 to 22 year olds being able to have a bowl game experience. So I like the bowls. And, and I like the fact that here during this week and a couple other weeks in December, it really doesn't matter what time of day it is. You turn on the TV, there's a bowl game on. So, Yesterday, and, and sometimes things do happen that are notable. Now, yesterday there was a bowl game. It was the Pop-Tart Bowl. And this is what I always worry about. So my alma mater, Kansas State, was playing in this game. The Twitter, the Twitter algorithm can can get me sometimes because I I don't just follow like St. Louis and national sports. On Twitter, I obviously follow a lot of K-State stuff because I'm a K-State alum. I still follow a lot of Wisconsin stuff because I live there. I follow a lot of Colorado stuff before I live there. So sometimes, you know, my algorithm is going to look very different than your algorithm. And sometimes I'm looking at stuff on social media and I'm trying to figure out, okay, is this actually a big deal or is it a big deal on my timeline because of my algorithm? So that was happening last night during the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And I have since learned that it had absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I am a uh, proud K-State grad and follow a lot of uh, K-State accounts on social media. Something absolutely took over the world last night. As the game was getting set to go, first ever Pop-Tarts Bowl, this huge, this huge toaster is rolled out and out came the Pop-Tart mascot. And over the next three, three and a half hours as the game went along, 
we as a collective group of American sports fans, we all fell in love with the Pop-Tart. We fell in love with it. He was fun. He kind of, he was part Philly fanatic, part San Diego chicken. I mean, this was, he, he was fantastic. And we all fell in love with him. And then the game comes to an end. And I say this with a tear in my eye. He went to the toaster once again. He held up a sign, people. He held up a sign that said, dreams do come true. And he slowly lowered his way back into the toaster. The Pop-Tarts mascot, he was done. He was over. A The demise. But we're not done there. We are not done there. Oh, no. You know, a toaster generally takes a, a moment or so to do what a toaster does. Moments later, the Pop-Tart comes out of that toaster on the side. It rolls out on a big roller. And there are Kansas State football coach Chris Kleiman, some players, all there ready to devour the Pop-Tart. Now, obviously, if we're talking in real terms, it was not the same thing. That you know, But they played it out like that was Mr. Pop-Tart, that that was it. So this mascot that we fell in love with over three hours was then devoured by the winning Kansas State Wildcats. And it was a moment that we will forever remember. Kyle Sixta, I know this was all over your social media today as well. I, I'm not the hugest college football fan. Like I, I watched the NFL a bunch, not huge into college football. I wasn't watching the game last night. I went on Twitter today and this pop tart is everywhere. I had no clue what happened. I went back, obviously watched the videos. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's great. It's so good here. So here's the, like the real world business impact of this. And this is something that I find incredibly interesting. Pop tarts as a company, like the parent company of pop tarts, whoever they are, um, they spent like $2.1 million, I believe, to be the title sponsor of the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So far, as of an hour ago, and the number is still going up, what they did last night, the genius marketing, the entire story arc of the Pop-Tarts, we're adding to it right now because we've said Pop-Tart about 100 times here on KMOX in the last two minutes. Uh, so far... $12.1 million in earned media for Pop-Tarts. They are getting 6X on their dollars so far, and it's all going up, and it's all because of people being fun and creative. All because of people being fun and creative. And what I hope happens is I hope this opens up the door for more of these companies who are title sponsors on bowl games to do fun stuff like this. Because it's just enjoyable, and it's, it just adds to college football bowl season. Right, and if you're spending $2 million plus on a sponsorship uh, title anyway for a bowl game, why wouldn't you do something like this? It's just fun. It yeah. adds to it, like you said. Uh, it's obviously making them a whole bunch of money, $12 million. That's just crazy in one day. Man. Right. It's it's remarkable. And uh, a few years ago, there was the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. I don't even know. I don't think that bowl exists anymore. It's probably called something else. I remember they were, like, over the top. On their branding, I don't know if you remember that, but it was it was everywhere. It was it was annoyingly so with where they put their logo, and it was their right to do that because they had the sponsorship on the bowl. And I don't know what their earned media was. I'm sure they they probably did all right on that. Uh, but the the reaction to that as the game was going on and the next day was just how annoying 
all the Buffalo Wild Wings stuff was because it was everywhere. Whereas the people with the Pop-Tarts Bowl, they are, it is, it is universally just loved what happened last night. I have not seen a single, this is crazy. Social media is like the most negative place in the world. And I have not seen a single person say anything bad about what they did last night with the Pop-Tart Bowl. It was universally loved. So good on the good folks at Pop-Tart. There's going to be a Pop-Tart movie coming out. Jerry Seinfeld is behind the Pop-Tart movie. It's going to have like uh, Melissa McCarthy in it and a bunch of other people. It's going to be on Netflix. I'm excited for the Pop-Tart movie. There you go. There's your Pop-Tart segment here on Sports Open Line. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.